Welcome to Obey Your Strengths with Gallup Certified Strengths Coach and self-proclaimed strengths geek, Kathy Kirsten. Hi there, strengths fans. Welcome back to another episode of Obey Your Strengths. Today, my guest is Natalie King. Welcome, Natalie. Hi. Hi, I'm so glad you're here. Natalie is a program manager in the hardware engineering department at Facebook, and her and I have been uh, strengths pals for several years now, and I invited Natalie on to tell us about her strengths journey, about her um, unique top five as well, and then she's just got some really great anecdotes that I think we could all learn from and be inspired by. So Natalie, thanks so much for joining me today. Tell us, what are your top five? Thanks for having me, Kathy. So my top five strengths, um, I've taken the test multiple times because of the companies that I work with, but the ones that I have today that are, again, very little change here, but developer, positivity, empathy, arranger, and individualization. The combination of all the feels. All the feels, I think, so my nickname at the last company I was at, they used to call me basket full of kittens because that's what my strengths embodied. (laughs) I did not know that. And I love that because that is the feeling I get whenever I'm around you is (laughs) basket full of kittens for sure. What are some of the other strengths that you've had in your top five uh, that might give us, you know, clues to what are now in your top 10, Uh, but what other strengths have you seen come up through the times of taking it? Sure. So the top 10 has really stayed the same every single time. The order changes. I think I've gotten older and wiser, but I also have Woo, um, Includer. Man, I would I don't remember the other ones top of mind, but those are the ones that really kind of fluctuate the most yep, um, yep. up and down the list. So, so again, what we all need to people- know. Yeah. What we need to know is that you are a people, people person. <laughs> Do you have, so this is just occurred to me. Do you have relator somewhere up there? I think it's in my top 10. Yeah. Okay. Gosh. Think about that, Natalie. Woo and relator and developer and individualization. Like you just love people. Tell me about one of your, you know, like let's, let's talk about your current top five developer positivity, which I've had developers and positivity on this podcast before. I think you might be the first empathy I think. Um, so I really want to dig into that one, uh, yeah. as well as individualization. I've had several folks with individualization, but tell me a little bit about maybe what's your favorite thing about each of your top five. Oh, man. So one of my favorite things about empathy, empathy is the one that I think I have the most pride in now of having. I don't think I, I, I didn't always feel that way about empathy as my in my top five, but today it's like my favorite strength. Um, and I really love the fact that I can make people feel comfortable sharing and just being themselves. Mm. And I can understand their, what they're going through in that moment. Um, a ranger is the next one that I, I lean on a ton and I love, I, I'm an information hoarder. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I love to, to collect information, whether it's books, articles, you know, links that I save on my Google Chrome so just kind of moving those pieces around and kind of holding on to it for when I need it. Positivity. Um, I just, I don't know. I just think I really appreciate the glass half full attitude. Um, and I think others feel the same way, hopefully. Developer. It's, it's, really, it's really interesting that developer and individualization are there because developer, it's, you know, 
you know, spending time with you, Kathy, you know, I've learned it's all about how to help people identify their, how do they use their strengths and how do they succeed? And in individualization, it's like, again, looking at like a hundred people and being like, okay, here's the one thing that makes you really special. And I've seen you time and time again, uh, step in to a relationship as a coach in that way, encouraging, using your developer positivity to encourage those folks to leverage their individualization. Like, you know, the, the thing that you see about them, which I have totally appreciated because you can recognize people's specialness. And then here comes that developer positivity that cheerleads and as well as pushes sometimes, <laughs> maybe even against their will, Natalie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. I think I'm like a hype woman, whether you want it or not. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. So, and I think we have lots of stories to share about Mm -hmm. how you are swimming in a sea of analytical restorative being in the hardware engineering team, and you bring such diverse strengths to your role as program manager. And I want to hear more about it. So actually, tell me, how do those strengths that you just described help you be successful as a program manager with an engineering uh, department? Sure. So my role, I am so honored to support this team of innovative, hardworking engineers. They are responsible for designing the next generation of hardware that goes in our data centers. They support all of Facebook's applications and services. So a lot of, lot of pressure mm-hmm. to be able to support all of your dog and kindergarten graduation videos and photos Mm -hmm, and all all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And I take care, I help them take care of all of the non-engineering things that happen in the background that make us successful. Things like communications, working with our HR recruiting partners, L&D, culture, diversity, events, kind of you name it. The interest, you know, we talk about a lot that my team is, they're not the warm and fuzzy. Empathy (laughs) is not there at all. Um, very, Definitely not woo, Natalie. <laughs> Definitely not woo. Um, <laughs> engineers through and through. And, you know, it's it's so fascinating that I think, okay, I feel so lucky to be around them. And at the same time, they're looking at me like, wait, you know how to go talk to people and get them to agree to things? Or, <laughs> oh, I've been trying to, like, share more about my work. How did you make this so easy? I I get to help them tell their stories, get things done. All the things that they're like, my black and white brain cannot do. Cannot even fathom like how, well, you know, it's, it's maybe they could, could do it, but why would they ever want to, right? I mean, I think there's so, a huge level of appreciation for someone like you because they're the nicest. Let's just say Oh, that. they're so nice. They're, they're the, the nicest engineers that I've ever worked with. Uh, but, but wow, you actually get jazzed about going and meeting <laughs> cross-functional yeah. teams and people outside of our department and, you know. Which- and I think it's, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's worth saying that people with who are highly strategic and highly learners and analytical, it's not that they don't appreciate culture. They don't appreciate um, all these things that make the team like special and successful. I They just look at it and they're like, I want to help, help contribute towards that, but I don't know where to start. Or I don't know all the work that it takes in order to do those things. Like, you know, throwing a workshop to share your work 
most of them are like, okay, I just want to show up and just start talking about what I'm, what I'm working on. And I'm like, okay, well, who's the audience? Like, do we need to set context? Let's make sure it's high level. Do we have the right, you know, over virtual, you know, in a virtual space? Do we have the, the event set up? Do we have, you know, Zoom? And they're like, oh, okay. There's a lot more work that goes into just me showing up and, and talking about the cool stuff. The clicker, right. Exactly. Pushing the clicker, yeah. Pushing the clicker. Totally. And, and even in that context, Natalie, which I've seen you operate in well, is that you will greet people. You know, many times they show up to them. And this is not against engineers. It's just showing how your uniqueness helps fill in the spaces to make it warm, to, to create belonging. I've seen you greeting people like, good morning and smiling and engaging. And right now you're even nodding at me. And most of the time <laughs> they're <laughs> a little bit stoic because they're so much in their head with those strategic thinking themes. You know, they're, they're in their own mental processing and that emotional engagement that physical presence, like, you know, um, man, you just bring it loud and clear, Natalie. So I can see how you really help them uh, engage with other folks. In the intro, you said, I wasn't as comfortable with my empathy, but now I am embracing it. And it's my favorite. Tell me that story as a female in tech with empathy. Um, why did, why were you uncomfortable with it in the early days? Oh, man. So I mean, I started working, you know, I wasn't quite on top of things. And so my first job, thank God, was, you know, coming into this tech company at 21 and looking around, you know, obviously men are the majority in our, in our Mm -hmm. industry. And, you know, before starting that role, I never knew what strengths were. And so it was one of those you know, I started, I took my strengths test, I saw empathy, and I actually learned more about it. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, something clicked in me. I'm like, I could find there was finally something for me to be able to like, validate everything that else that has happened before my life of, Oh, that's just who I am. I'm not like, I'm sensitive. Like, I'm usually the first to cry on any feel good commercial. (laughs) Um, Like, I just thought that that's like, I thought like, I didn't know that there was an actual strength to call it that. And like, it was something that people valued, but, you know, being in tech, you know, I was looking to establish myself in my career, work really hard. And I, I thought it was such a weakness because I didn't see other people exemplifying empathy in the workspace. I saw all these other leaders who, you know, discipline, strategic, you know, focus, futuristic, very visionary leaders, we do what we all, what we did when we were little kids, we, we copy. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I, I want to be successful like them. So I tried to just, I tried to copy their style and it didn't work for me at all. Like I would almost be angry at myself for how little emotion I would give other people. Cause I thought mm-hmm. that's what, I thought that's what was needed. Like I thought that's what I had to be in order to be successful in the environment that I was. And not to say that I worked with a bunch of, you know, jerks who didn't care about anybody. That's just not what their style was. And I think over time you battle, you kind of, you kind of figure it out and go, okay, this didn't work for me. You go in a different situation. You're like, okay, let me try something else. Um, And it wasn't until I had a manager um, who happened to be a woman who 
you know, I started working with her and she said, I really, you know, appreciate your strength in empathy. And she was the one who gave me the nickname Basketful of Kittens. And she used to use it like it used to be one of those like we used to lead with empathy in these spaces. You know, anytime there was an org change or we knew something was going to happen in the business that people might react to, she'd say, hey, I want to talk to I want to talk the changes with you. You tell me, what do you think the team will feel? And it was like, that was like for me, like when everything kind of was like, oh, my empathy is actually really rare in this space. And I, why am I, why am I trying to like, kind of put it in the closet? Let me, let me go ahead and just use it. And I don't know, ever since then, it was just like, ever since that moment, it's become such like my biggest, the biggest tool in my toolbox. I can see that story in my visualization, Natalie, of you stepping into that and realizing that's that's the powerful partnership that you offer to anybody who wants it, right? I mean, that you can read emotion, you can feel tension. I I don't know if I got this from Gallup or if this has just come from 15 years of doing strengths coaching, but I call people with empathy the um, team thermometer, right? Because you are picking up communication from way more than what people are just saying, right? I mean, give us a little peek, especially, you know, I'm empathy number 34. (laughs) (laughs) So we're great balance for each other. We are very good balance. But I mean, I'm kind of looking at people like you and thinking to myself, like they've got some kind of magic, some kind of secret sauce. So tell me, what is it? Like, give me examples of things that you pick up on. Before before the pandemic, it was really easy to, to catch nonverbal body language in a meeting. We'd be in a room and I would see someone almost literally have a physical reaction to something. And I'm like, you know, you kind of, I, at least I anyways, I take note of that. I'm like, mm, something about what just was just said really kind of just affected them, whether it was positive or negative. Over VC, it's been it's been a little bit harder, but I think, but but also easier in a, in a few ways because we, you know, in our culture, anyways, most of us have our cameras on. You know, we try to engage face to face to try to make it as normal as possible. Mm-hmm. And the people who, not to say that you know, it's not okay to have your video off. I think we've we've normalized it. Sometimes you just need to like turn your video off because there's kids, you know, yeah, there's background, (laughs) there's things happening behind you that you can't control. But the people who are constantly like camera off, don't, don't say anything in meetings. Don't, don't show up to like social events. Um, So like our virtual happy hours, people who are unwilling, like we don't hear from them very often. It's usually I'm like, okay, you know, maybe something's going on. Check in if they're okay. If you, yeah, I, I just usually it's like now it's over over chat. Like you try to you, you see things on over over our chat, and I'm like, hmm, they're obviously not happy about this. I wonder why. You're one of my poster children for empathy. I think because I I've seen you in action so often. I have other stories of empathy in my mind that perhaps listeners would that have it might even. Res- this might resonate with them, but you are one of those people who are like, how are you? No, really, how are you? Because if you get the like, oh, good, you know, no, it's fine. Easy. We're good. <laughs> yeah. And you dig deeper, don't you? <laughs> when you can see it. 
Yeah, I I actually had a friend I was on. Um, she video chat called me the other day. And, you know, we're working on we were working on something really big together. And it, it was, you know, the event happened this week, actually. And um, we're like, OK, so the, these things need to happen. And I said, hey, how are you doing? And oh, fine, fine, fine. You feeling good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, hmm, are you sure? <laughs> I was like, do you just want to look? Can we just take a pause? Like, I know we have a lot going on. And she's like, well, yeah, there's all these other things happening outside of this this project and I'm just not okay with it. And I just don't have time to like, there's no time because we have all these other deadlines and I'm like, okay. And we talked it through and it was like saying, okay, let's, we're going to get through this stuff and then we're going to have a pity party and we're going to like talk, like we're going to let, we're going to let ourselves feel completely not okay about this other situation. And then when you're ready, we'll figure it out. And they were like, yeah, okay. Ah, so what you did just there is just helped her process through great listening. You didn't fix it, but you just gave her a little bit of hope, right? I loved your positivity, giving her a little bit of hope, like we're going to get through it, but just giving people a moment to decompress. And and Natalie, that's something that I seldom do, but it's something that I'm learning in my um, coaching practice. So while it comes naturally to you and feels super comfortable, for me, it's a little bit forced, but I have used this whole technique of like, let's make space at the beginning of the coaching conference, or, you know, coaching call, because I don't know what you just got out of. I don't know what right. has happened to you since we last spoke. The world seems like it's on fire around us. So yeah. let's just take a moment to process. Let me tell you, I'm not doing that because it does anything for my strengths. I'm doing it because I'm trying to up my empathy game. So it's a skill. It's definitely not a talent. You do it so naturally and comfortably many times I think that (laughs) whatever they tell me I'm a little bit uncomfortable with like okay I don't know what to do next damn it I wish that (laughs) someone with empathy was here (laughs) to tell me how to respond in this moment uh but most of the time I find that silence is more valuable or just yeah the the like I hear you is more valuable than you know if I'm if I'm at a loss so I'm giving away a little bit of my secret sauce right now but if I'm at a loss I just say I hear you Right. And that is helpful. Is that a good tool, Miss Empathy? <laughs> I, I think so. Well, look, like you you just hit the nail on the head. The last 18 months in this world have been crazy. Pandemic, social injustice. I mean, there's there's so much change happening right now, and people are feeling so many emotions that I can't go fix those things. Like, even though the positivity in me is like constantly like trying to like solution game the crap out of things like especially at work anytime there's like oh there's a problem I'm like oh we can do this this or this and I'm like no, no no like I have to tell them the positivity in me to like no, no, no like calm down mm-hmm. like put the empathy hat on and like they're not coming to you to to fix the problem they're just coming to you to tell you the problem yeah and yeah. it's yeah you it's a it's a fine line because I, you, not all, we can't, we can't fix everything. No, no. And and you have a, a new image. <laughs> you have a new nickname. Your new nickname in your current team is team therapist, right? <laughs> You're known for your listening skills and abilities. I've got a few nicknames and that is one of them. Um, I, we're, we're, we're so relationship based and it's, you know, I'm sure some people 
if they see one-on-ones on their calendar with no agenda, they're like, oh, what are we going to talk about? Um, I love those. I love those meetings. Um, and I have quite a few one-on-ones on the calendar every week. And it's just showing up of like, tell me what's on your mind. What do you need help with? Like, what are you struggling with? And now I've, I've, there's kind of like a rinse and repeat questions that I kind of go through because usually someone's always struggling with something or they want help with an idea that they have. Um, and so I, I do spend a lot of time talking to people. How does that fit within your program manager productivity? I mean, because I see you using it in a very productive way. It's not like team therapist is a fun way of, because you're so different from your peers, right? In in this department. Um, However, it's highly productive. So help me and help the listeners understand how you make connections around that listening, you know, and helping dig things up, but then push it towards productivity. Thank you for letting me validate that all I do, my mom thinks that all I do is talk to people, go to meetings and talk to more people. Um, (laughs) But you know, a lot of, a lot of the one-on-ones and the the discussions I have with people, it leads to, oh, well, I know that there's another initiative happening. Let me connect you to so-and-so. I think that y'all, y'all's work together could actually make a better product. And so it, I do talk to, I do talk a lot all day, but it, it is, I, I feel like my role and I think probably what helps us be more productive is we're able to fast track some of that, that feeling of people being stuck and not know where to begin. Cause if it's, I can connect you to someone else who's already working on something similar. Great. If this is a brand new idea and it's a great idea to, to action on immediately, okay, let's talk through and I help them. Okay, here's the first five things you need to go do. Mm-hmm. Then I can help you do the next five. And we, we start outlining out what does it look like? And so it does lead to a lot of productivity in our, across our team. And um, we're hiring so, so fast and so much that we do have to scale a lot of what we're working on to meet the need of the team. I see you saying this a lot, th- this quote of, well, have you talked to them? Or you should go talk to so-and-so, right? And that there's some kind of magic in connection in your head because even when you've told me, oh, you should talk to someone and then I don't even see the connection yet, but I trust the Natalie magic. Oh, of, yeah. I'm going to go talk to that person because something in Natalie's mind was triggered that, and, and because so that's how you keep your empathy out of drama too, right? Because you don't yeah. tell me all the details of why I need to go talk to a, a female engineer, right? That's working on her career development path, right? You don't tell me any of the, you don't tell me the details. You just say, hey, go talk to this person and then magic happens. And I've learned to trust that strength in you, Natalie. Oh, thank you. It's very yeah. good. Uh, you talked about people partnering with you for your empathy. Natalie, what kind of partners do you need in your life living within this super strong relationship realm? Uh, who do you lean on to be more uh, efficient and productive? Oh, my gosh. My team balances me out so perfectly. Um, and the other PM on my on my team, um, she is like the yin to my yang with strategic and focus um, and futuristic and, you know, all the, all the like execution strengths. And, you know, she's got this really great gift of being able to like 
step back and just document everything. And it all like, and think of the plan to automate it, you know, for, for being a program manager, I, they're like, okay, we need a project plan. I'm like, okay, I can, I can do that. Sure. And that's, that's where my strengths probably, you know, hinder me the most of it's all in my head, in my heart Mm -hmm. sometimes too, um, Mm -hmm. that telling people like being able to tell them, well, here's why I'm doing all these things. And thankfully I have great partners like you, Kathy, where you're like, I trust whatever you're telling me has a really good end game to it. And so I, I sometimes need help from folks with those strengths who can help me pull everything out of my head and create some of that business value. Um, not, you know, just to help other people understand where my empathy and positivity and developer are coming from. Yeah, I can see that because I know your partner. <laughs> I can see how that's a beautiful blend of um, she's helping you see that big picture and get it all out of that heart and head space. Oh, that's great. You know, you're working in a really, and maybe this is true, it's just making a connection how you said, I appreciate that you trust this ability in me. But maybe that's because we've worked in high performing high-performing cultures, and we haven't mentioned it, but you and I met at Rackspace, which is a mm-hmm. high-performing culture. You're currently at a high-performing culture. I mean, it's um, markers of a high-performing culture mean that people are getting things done, and people are staying cutting edge on their expertise, and and there is a high level of expectation and commitment among the culture so that we are self-regulating towards high performance. And we tend to, Natalie, like I tend to just trust people in a higher performing culture because I'm, I'm thinking if you're not high performing, you're not going to be here. I, that, that sounds harsh. Gosh, did that hurt your empathy? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's why Maximize are coming out of like, aren't we all just able in some ways, if we find the way to be successful, we're going to survive in this culture. And it's a little bit cutthroat at times. But at the most, yeah. I mean, it's usually just feeling like we are performing at a really high capacity. And we expect everybody else's too. Um, I guess I want to go, I want to transition that into something that you and I have shared a common denominator around and a common experience of being in those high performing um, cultures with lots of experts from different areas uh, of industry of, of um, expertise, gosh. And then we might feel like early on in our careers, we both joined high performing cultures in our early twenties that we didn't belong there. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to be very clear that, you know, I, I feel like being in a high performing culture and team starting at Rackspace, you know, I tell, I'm like, I'm going to hit 10 years in my professional career next year, which doesn't feel like it's not a lot, but in the companies that I've worked for, it feels like 30 and it feels, it feels like a totally different lifetime. Um, these are dog years that I'm measuring here at this point. Right. And I, you're right. We work with a bunch of really smart people. And uh, for me, I, I'm, I'm probably one of the few people on my team that has a, just a bachelor's degree, which I know education does means nothing in this time of age. Um, but, you know, there's, I, I usually show up and I'm one of the younger people in the, in the room 
everyone's got like these PhDs in like physics and yeah, I'm usually laser optimist optics like yeah. something I've never heard of. Well, <laughs> the rocket scientists exactly, <laughs> and and the things that my team are working on, it's they're literally, you know, we t- they talk a lot about you know the end of Moore's law and you know how they're building hardware past you know the point of what physics can prove right now. And my tiny little brain over here with my degree in communications from the wonderful school of UTSA is going, excuse me, what? I'm just like nodding and smiling and we just, I just kind of fake it till I make it. And, you know, one of the, I I think though, one of the things that I love is I, and this is probably something that you could tell me is part of my strengths here. But I'm usually the first one to jump in and and say, hey, communications major over here. I didn't understand any of that. Can we uh, can we back up and can you like explain this like you're going to talk to like a third grader? And I've actually learned because everyone on my team is so smart and they all have their certain like subject matter expertise in. I'm the first one to ask the question, but then usually someone will message me or look at me and go, thank you. Cause I didn't understand that either. And I'm like, Oh my God, thank goodness. That's go first vulnerability, Natalie. So it, I don't think it is, has anything to do with your strengths. I think it has something to do with your, your leadership capacity, right? That we know this, like if, so we're all, there's a ton of us. If you pay attention on LinkedIn, you know, you'll see imposter syndrome articles written almost daily. You yeah. will see people. I know lots of folks come to me in coaching and ask about imposter syndrome and I have it too, particularly with working with your group. Because when you're working with experts, PhD level experts, you you start to think, gosh, what do I have to provide in this conversation? And that is a, I loved what that technique you just shared with us of this, help me understand and, and kind of showing your cards that requires vulnerability. And it requires, so a little bit of bravery, right? That goes hand in hand, vulnerability and bravery, yeah. if you're going to show it. And you do this, you do this too, Kathy. You're like the first one to, 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 when you facilitate a session with us, my name's Kathy. I'm just this wonderful Texas girl from in Blanco, Texas right now. I love strengths. I can talk to you about shrinks data all day long. Yeah. I have no idea how you're building a chip that's like smaller than my fingernail. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I don't understand your world, but I want to. Uh, So maybe there's a little bit of you know, that is true. Lead with some vulnerability and then you don't have to know it all, right? Maybe that's, maybe that is strength space in the way that you just own, I guess your lack of, I wouldn't say strength. So when I say strengths, I'm thinking about talent, right? But even owning some of your own lack of knowledge in an area is freeing in some way when it comes to imposter syndrome. Totally. And then, you know, I kind of went on a tangent there, but I do want to come back to imposter syndrome because I feel like when I was younger, early 20s, in this really high-performing, you know, work environment, I felt when I first started feeling imposter syndrome, the only thing I knew back then that could work was double down, work harder, and outproduce my imposter syndrome. And I think that's what, you know, I think that's what all of us did, honestly. 
is we just tried to out like outpace the feeling of feeling inadequate. And I was like, okay, these extra hours, these extra projects, it's going to balance it out and I'm going to feel great. And some of that was like, I, I feel like, you know, that only just dug us into the hole further. Like we ended up being burned out, tired, almost bitter. Mm-hmm. And I feel like today my feelings of imposter syndrome, I, I mean, I feel it like, you know, Kathy and I were talking about this, but I'm, I'm due for some time off. I'm, you know, like a lot of people in the, you know, in the pandemic, you know, there was nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take time off and I was starting to feel burned out. And when I feel, when I'm starting to feel that way, my imposter syndrome just spikes through the roof. It's like coming in hotter than, you know, the Texas heat wave over here where I feel like, oh, well, what I'm doing isn't so impactful. Or I feel like I just went to a bunch of meetings today and nothing got done. What I'm doing isn't even important. And usually like I felt I caught myself thinking those things last week and I was my like I had to physically say those things out loud to understand how stupid they were because I'm, I, I feel like your, your brain just starts telling these stories and you're like, wait, maybe, I don't know. And I know that's not true. I know the team values what I do. I know that the work that I'm doing is impactful, but none of us are logical when we're in that feeling of imposter syndrome and burnout and we need a break. Um, so I think again, maybe it's cause I'm older or maybe I've just like learned to like, just accept my strengths. It's the, okay, you need some time off, take a few days off, unplug. Don't take on more empathy, empty your cup. Like don't take on any, anything, go read, go garden, go disconnect from the world in the way that you need it. That's how I, that's how I tackle my imposter syndrome now, which is way different than what I used to do. So This is a beautiful moment. I want to recap what you just said and how I'm feeling it. Like this, this is the wisdom of working with someone (laughs) with a ton of relationship and empathy strengths is that you've learned that rather those that that self-talk, right, which is where the imposter syndrome is coming from. It's the negative self-talk. It's not the, it, the, that self, tr- those thoughts are not the truth. They are an indicator of stress. And when you have stress, you don't need to believe the thoughts. You need to feed yourself. You need to take time off. You need to um, question like, why am I so stressed right now? And how can I manage the stress? What a beautiful lesson right here, Natalie, that we can pay forward to people who are you know, earlier in their careers than us, or maybe even beyond and still haven't felt it. Because I'll say that I'm not sure. I don't know when I'm feeling stressed, right? I get lost in the swirl. And so when I'm in really tough, busy, busy times in my life, um, stress shows up usually as like in my stomach and I'll have stomach issues, you know, like heartburn. That's my number one thing, heartburn. Um, I actually like, went to the doctor when I was 24 getting married. And and I was like, gosh, I have heartburn every night. And he's like, tell me about your life. And I was thinking, 
why? Because I, I, aren't you going to tell me to stop drinking coffee and start taking Prilosec? You know, like I was expecting <laughs> to have that conversation. Like, can I get a prescription strength Prilosec? Yeah. And he's like, what are you like? Tell me what's going on right now. I'm like, well, I'm planning a wedding and I um, have, I just moved and I'm doing, you know, a new, I got a new job and yada, yada, yada. And I'm telling all these things. And he's like, well, that's why you have heartburn. And I'm like, what does that have to do with heartburn? It's stress. So what you're telling so yeah, like there's physical uh, and mental, right? And, and physical heartburn would be physical, but yeah. imposter syndrome or just those self-negative that tear you down, make you feel like you're not as effective, efficient, or talented or valued that you should be or that you know to be true could be signs of stress. Mm-hmm. Totally. <sighs> That's really good. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> It is really good. I know that imposter syndrome for a lot of us also dissipates when we voice it and we hear that others experience it too. You and I are are living that out right now because we've exposed it to each other. Like, I feel like an imposter here and you help me see, no, no, no. Let me tell you how you're valuable to us. And I can say that same thing to you. Let me tell you how you're valuable in this moment with your strength set um, and why we need to hear from you. Right. And so finding yourself an imposter syndrome buddy <laughs> to help you see through that lots of folks feel this. Men and women feel imposter syndrome. A hundred percent. And I feel like I again I I go back to that moment where I took strengths for the first time and all of a sudden all the all the reasons and feelings I had just clicked and I was like, Oh, this is who I am. Totally. And I I I feel like the second that you you do just laid your, your strengths cards on the table, so to speak, like, and you just lead with that, your imposter syndrome it is much easier to manage because you've already put out who you are. And I think that leads into a whole different conversation of like showing up authentically because you just, it's not like you were trying to pretend to be something you weren't. Mm-hmm. And I I really appreciate, you know, you know, the work that you've done with our team, because I can, now it's a common language. Like I can just say, (laughs) Hey, my positivity is feeling really low today. And like, I can just say that up front. And so people don't like the rest of the time we're together, they're like, Hmm, something's off with Natalie. Right. And they know what it is and it doesn't have to be, and it can be, and it's said in a positive way. Like, sorry to use the word positive in this situation, but I think so much of it, if you don't have a language to say what's really going on, you know, I have to apologize for my maximizer, Natalie, you know, like often saying, gosh, this is my maximizer talking, but what if we just made this one little tweak (laughs) and we could really get to excellence here in this one little area, or I'm still not satisfied with how this looks, or here's a different idea. And then most of the time, like, and I'm sorry that my maximizer just made your good work feel like it was less than, you know? Um, yeah. No. And they're like, no, that's the feedback I wanted. Okay, great. I want your maximizer feedback. Otherwise, I wouldn't bring these things to you. And I'm like, great. great. Well, and it, and it gives us, not only does it let us be more authentic, but I think there, there's a level of, like, people, like, I've always been around teams where you just assume good intent. And I feel like leading with your strengths in the, in those moments just reinforces that I'm coming with good intent. Kathy's not intending to completely, you know, 
sideswipe what you're, all the work you've just done. Right. And she's telling you that. <laughs> so I think it just, I think it just doubles down on that. Like I'm coming to you with good intent. I care about you. I want you to succeed. And it's, it's much easier to collaborate with other people when you're in that environment. Totally. If you think about all of the strengths in your top five, and you can include your woo and um, other strengths that maybe have popped up into the top five over the years. But um, if there's one of the strengths that you have to obey, which one is it and why? Okay. We haven't actually talked about my ranger a ton. Um, And this is actually the strength that just shines in the right moment. And it just... I have to obey it when it, when it does click into place. Um, So the other nickname that my team gave me is chaos coordinator. And I, again, this is something that I learned over time that I didn't, I didn't think it was a strength, but in moments where there's, you know, a hundred plates in the air, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like I, maybe this makes me really strange and odd, but like that like is the moment where I'm more centered and I actually feel more zen is when all of that that all of the chaos is happening. Um, and I'm not saying I can save lives or defuse bombs for a living because that's definitely not what I'm saying. Like that's definitely not my my calling in life. But I think there's something about my ranger strength that just puts me in a place of total calm um, in those moments where we need something. Again, I work. We work in high performing teams and companies. And so things are moving fast. We need to, we need to pivot on a dime um, to support something. I remember about six months being at Facebook and I was helping the team with a huge conference. And it's, this is like one of the, like any event organizers dream. There's media, there's lots, there's, you know, there's a whole expo hall with booths and we're showing off hardware and people are really, people on my team were really stressed. It was thousands of people. We were making a ton of presentations, tons of moving parts, lots of very expensive, one-of-a-kind hardware pieces that were in our booth. And there's, I, I have to find the picture for you, Kathy, but it's like, I'm like standing in this booth with like hundreds of people in it. And I, I look just so happy and I'm just, you know, <laughs> smiling and I'm like, okay, what do you need? All right. What's, what's the next problem? Tell me. Oh, oh, you like someone's laptop, like completely fried out. Oh, I have to give my presentation in 10 minutes. Oh, here's my laptop. I, I have your, your presentation on the thumb drive already. Here you go. And they're like, whoa. You're in flow. It's in flow. Things just feel like they move slower for me. And mm-hmm. it's just, mm-hmm. you're right. It's a flow. It just feels so natural and easy. And when the chaos is all over, I go, oh, that was nice. <laughs> And meanwhile, everybody's looking at you in awe of like, how is she doing that? See, ah, what a beautiful story to end our podcast today with, Natalie. Thank you, because now I have a totally new appreciation for a ranger in that story. A ranger is one of those things, because I see it often, right? It's probably in the top 10 of the 24 million people who take it. And sometimes they lose their shine. If, like, it's Achiever. I love Achiever, but it's lost its shine. A little bit of a ranger. And now I have another, look, I'm making my little heart. Starts. I'm making the heart, <laughs> <laughs> the heart shape to Natalie. Like, ah, oh, that's so beautiful. A ranger in its flow is at Zen with many spinning plates. 
I have a new appreciation. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you for having me, Kathy. (laughs) Thank you for joining me today. And I can't wait to work with you again. Thank you for listening to Obey Your Strengths. To learn more about Kathy or hire her for your company or private coaching, visit ObeyYourStrengths.com. You can also find her on Instagram at Kathy.Kirsten. Obey Your Strengths is produced by Kirsten Consulting, LLC, in association with Game Day Media out of San Antonio, Texas.